Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Okay, um, are we ready? We're ready. Okay. Hi, everybody. Um, I'm Dr. Rail, Jesse Rail, and we're going to talk about support groups today. So this is going to be a double, I mean, kind of a two-in-one. First of all, we're going to talk about the benefits and the uh, cons of a support group, finding your support group. And then we're going to talk about anybody who is interested in being a facilitator of a support group and how you can go about that and some tips that may help if you're already doing some support groups. I know quite a few of you are because we have a lot of ACB groups and they are supportive. So um, there's a lot of benefits to being in a support group. And this is only just... I'm sure, and hopefully people can think of some more, but the first one is obvious. They offer support, or they should offer support to to people who, members who, you know, participate in the group. It's also a good way to get resources. Resources are really helpful for people because you may know of things that are going on in your community or you may know of helpful resources that other people may not know. So resources are a really important part of a support group. They also help people feel connected. And especially now in COVID, especially now in COVID times, feeling connected is very important because if we spend too much time by ourselves and too much time, you know, listening to the news and that type of thing, we may quickly get a sense that we're not really connected. So knowing that every week at a certain time, at a certain hour, you're going to be connected with a group of people can really, really be helpful. Um, They can help people increase their self-esteem and their overall self-awareness. Sometimes um, people will point out things that, might be helpful to you. Maybe it's not about you, but you think, hmm, I do that. Or, you know, it can increase your self-esteem. Once you become involved in support groups and feel like people are supportive of you and, you know, that can really help how you feel. Plus, hopefully you can be in a really supportive group where people are acknowledging that you're a valuable person that you have a lot of worthwhile contributions, that they really like you, things like that. And that can help increase your self-awareness and your self-esteem. And that's really important if you've been in situations that haven't been very supportive or that have been downright abusive of you, disrespectful, that type of thing. Sometimes it, it just helps to go to a group and and at least you know that you're belonged you belong there. And we all have a need to belong and feel a sense that people love us and like us and um so that can help. Um it can increase your social interactions and um improve your social skills, which can help you branch out into other groups. 
for example, if right now you're more comfortable participating in the Zoom groups and, you know, the phone groups and that type of thing, you're not quite ready to, to go be a, a part of a group that actually meets in person. Um, <clears throat> it can help you gain confidence because if things continue to go well on the phone and you're, you're continuing to feel better about yourself, you might say, you know what, I really could join uh, whatever, a quilting group or, a, um, you know, a mother's group or whatever it is you might want to join. So those are some benefits. And, and like I said, there are a lot of benefits. Unfortunately, there are some things that can be a problem. Um, confidentiality is one of the biggest things. Because even though the facilitator can and should really encourage people to maintain confidentiality, you know, that you, you can't make people and you can't control what people do outside of the group. So, you know, be real careful just how much you reveal about yourself and, and especially revealing about somebody else. You don't want to start talking about somebody else, even if you think they don't know or nobody's going to know them. You really don't know that. So be really careful about how much you reveal about yourself, but most especially somebody else. Um, I Years ago, I went to a support group, and somebody was in there, and she was downgrading my sister. <laughs> like, nobody's business. And she had no idea that I was her sister. And... You know, it was really upsetting because I'm hearing all of these things about my sister that I really didn't know and didn't need to know. Um, and, and it was really awkward. So be careful how much you say about somebody else in a, in a group, even if you're talking about your child or your husband or whatever, because you don't know who's in the group who might know him or might know of somebody who does. Um, find a good group. Well, it basically depends on what type of group you're interested in. So there are many, many ways to find groups. A Google search is one way. You can pretty well find any group that you want, whether they're online, offline, you know, community, whatever. So you have to decide what kind of group you're looking for and try to be specific. If you just type in, you know, groups for depression, you might get all kinds of things that really don't apply to you. Um, but that might be a place to start, too. Then you have to decide, do you want to attend a community group in your area? Or do you want to attend maybe in another area? Many people uh, in my community attend in two of the other local communities that are not very far from here, but they try to avoid you know, the, the local community because they, they know everybody in the community. You know, they've lived here forever. And while it's a reasonably good size, it's not that big. And so they will typically go to two of the other local communities. However, if you can't get there because you don't have transportation, then you may be stuck with your local community. Um, you can look in newspapers. Usually newspapers will list the support groups that exist. You can call specific organizations or um, communities. Like, for example, you can call ACB and ask them what groups or how you can find out about the, 
the groups, the ACB community. You can call hospice and ask them if they have any groups for people um, who are grieving or people maybe who have lost somebody to suicide, you know, specific things like that. You can find listings for AA meetings, Al-Anon, Narcotics Anonymous, Overeaters Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous, and some of these groups are online and some of them are in communities. Um, Call your church, a lot of churches. And if your church doesn't, but a lot of other churches have groups for various things. Celebrate Recovery um, is a big thing. Um, they have groups for people who have been divorced or widowed, you know, those things. So check out what your community offers, but also, you know, check out online. Um, <clears throat> then make sure that you can get to your group yourself. Well, you might have people who offer transportation and you might kind of think, well, it'd be really nice if Somebody from the group would provide transportation. You might find later that that's not such a good idea. Hey, quiet. You might find later that that's not such a good idea because it's very easy when you're in a vehicle with somebody to for them to start talking about group members or for you to start talking about group members. And before you know it, you and that person have kind of formed a group of your own and, um, you know, outside of the groups. You, you want to try to avoid that if possible. So be sure that you can get to and from the group yourself. And um, now sometimes, especially in AA or NA sponsors, will offer to take members to and from. And that's kind of a different thing because you've already formed an allegiance with each other. So you know, that might be a possibility. Um, be sure that you talk to the leader about specific needs. If you need something, if you discover that they do a lot of writing, you know, see how they can make accommodations to you so that you can fully participate in the group. Um, if you have a difficult time hearing, you might ask if you could be seated more in the middle of the room or Wherever it is, you're going to be able to hear better. Um, but, but be sure you talk to the facilitator or the leader about your specific needs, because if you don't do that, they're just going to assume you're like everybody else, and um, they're going to treat you like everybody else. So it doesn't mean that you have to be treated special, but you know you, you want to be able to participate as fully as you can in the group. Um, be supportive of others and considerate, of course. And when you're talking in groups, try to keep what you're talking about short. Because if you launch off on something and 10, 15 minutes later, you're still talking, you know, the group is only an hour long. And so that isn't going to give a lot of other people, you know, time to talk about themselves or what's going on. So try to be pretty concise and stay to one thing. And if you're talking about <clears throat> difficulties, uh, I don't know, difficulties with your husband, you know, 
try to stick to that without getting into, well, my mother does this and, and his mother does that and my sisters do that. <laughs> you can go really down a, a long street and, and it's way too much for people to absorb and they're going to start to tune you out because what they're looking at is, you know, get with it, get get to the point or whatever. So try to try to keep that in mind and you'll be much more accepted in the group. Um you know, the reason you're you're in the group is because you want to support you you need support. You want support. You want ideas. You want suggestions. Well that is the same reason that everybody else is in the group. So yeah. Try to be supportive of each other. Try to be supportive of others as well as seeking your own support. So that's pretty much that. Now we'll talk about how you can start your own group. A lot of people become frustrated because there's not a group for depression or there's not a group for unwed mothers or there's not a group for single parents in their area. They become frustrated. <clears throat> well, Maybe you can start your own group. To be a support group facilitator, you do not have to have a degree in counseling. In fact, counselors and therapists do have support groups, but they really don't make as good of facilitators as people without specific degrees. And the reason is we try to therapize people. We try to, to do too much counseling in a group. And support groups are not counseling or therapy groups. Support groups are specifically to provide support and information. That's it. They're not, they're not really designed to get into why you feel that way. And, and so when you feel that way, you know, is, is it something that happened in your childhood? They're not designed for all of that. They're designed to support you where you are at that given time. And so you don't have to have a degree in counseling. You don't have to have a degree in in anything. Um, all you have to do is, you know, decide that you want to support or to start a support group. Um, it's important to try to stick with, especially until you get a lot more experience, stick with something you know. You know, if you suffer from chronic pain, a chronic pain group might be good. Um, if you have experienced vision loss, a vision loss group might be good. So stick with something you know. I don't know how it feels to lose vision because I was 11 months old when I lost my sight. Obviously, I don't remember that. So I could start a support group for people who lose their vision, but it probably would be better for me to leave that to somebody who had already lost their vision. And who does know how that is? So try to stick with something you know. Establish group rules. Um, some of the rules are that everybody needs to have respect for each other, that you don't cover really in-depth issues like <clears throat> suicide. You know, somebody, if they're talking about, if they're so depressed that they want to commit suicide, that needs to go more to a, a therapy group or an individual therapist because you really can't deal with that. Um, encourage confidentiality, of course, and whatever other rules that you 
feel like are necessary. If you're a group, you're going to facilitate it. So stick with something that you can deal with. Come up with a time for your group and try to stick with that time as much as possible. If your group's supposed to start at 7 o'clock, start it at 7 o'clock, not 7.15, not 6.50, start it at 7 o'clock. If your group is supposed to end at 8 o'clock, end it at 8 o'clock, not 8.15, not, you know, 7.30, whatever. Try to stick with what you set. If you need to change, then talk to the members about, well, you know, this time really isn't working out and maybe we should change to a different time or a different day. Um, Because members will look forward to that once you get a group going and it's a really helpful group. Members are really going to look forward to that. They're going to look forward to every Wednesday at 7 o'clock. This is my group about vision loss or, you know, whatever it is. So try to stick with that as much as you can. Um, Remember that everybody's viewpoint has to be accepted. And it's, it's not a time for you to say, well, you know, I don't like your viewpoint or I disagree with your viewpoint. Encourage members that everybody's viewpoint is important. Everybody's thoughts and feelings are going to be different and they're all important. Um, try to use, and as facilitator, if you demonstrate this um, and you encourage other people, use assertive statements. Instead of saying, you should do that, or if I were you, or well, if you had, you know, try to use assertive statements. Um, keep it focused on you. If somebody, for example, is talking about, you know, that they often find themselves not included, what you might say is, well, I find that when I'm out in public, if I do this or this, it's helpful. What you don't want to say is, well, if you look more happy, you'd be included, something like that. So try to keep it focused on you. What works for you? Because you don't really know what they do or how they feel or uh, anything else. All you know is what works for you or how you feel. If somebody's talking about, you know, they're having a difficult time with depression and and they really just don't seem to be able to work through the depression, you might say, I found it really helpful when I was really feeling depressed to talk to my doctor and he prescribed medication. You know, you don't want to say, well, if you get on medication, so try to stay that, stay with the I statements. Um, You don't want to judge people. You don't want to blame people because, again, you really don't know what they've tried or, or, you know, what they haven't tried or what they've done or whatever. So try to avoid any blaming statements or any judgmental statements. And try to avoid the use of cliches. We often do this. We'll say, somebody's talking about losing their guide dog. And all of a sudden, you say, oh, yeah, I know how you feel because last year, I had to put my dog down. Well, first of all, maybe you did. But second of all, you don't know how anybody feels. Every one of us could be sitting in the same room, listening to the same presenter, having the same basic experience with the same 
with a glass of water from the same pitcher in front of us. And every one of us would have some different thought or feeling. Some people would think the lights were too bright. Some people would think they weren't bright enough. Some of us wouldn't be able to see them. Some of us would think it was too cold. Some of us would think it was too hot. Some of us would think it was okay. Some of us would think the presenter was the most important person ever. Some of us would think that all we could do is to stay awake. (laughs) So everybody is going to feel differently. You don't know how anybody feels. What you can say is, you know, I can really relate to that. I've had to put my guide dogs down too. And then listen to them. Um, You know, try to, to avoid God wanted or God would want you to or, you know, those type of things. That might be your belief, but it may very well not be somebody else's belief. And that's okay. Um, You know, things like, oh, it'll pass or, oh, well, you'll feel better. Or you know what? It might not pass and they might not feel better. So try to avoid that. And those things can be intended to be supportive, but they're not. And basically what it says is, move on because I want to talk. You know, I, I don't, don't want to listen to all of your emotions or whatever. Um, when you're a facilitator, some groups have specific topics. Like when we do the taking care of mental health, we have a topic each week. Some groups are more open. Talk about whatever. Talk about what, whatever's on your mind or whatever. You can do that. Now, it's easier to maintain some level of control if you have a specific topic. Because if you just have, you know, me talking about my dog and somebody else is talking about her cat, somebody else is talking about her mom, and somebody else is talking about his kid, or when you've got all these different topics, then it's hard to kind of tie them, you know, together. So if you're just going to talk about guide dogs or social acceptance or whatever, then it's a whole lot easier to to keep it together. Um, and support groups can be open where everybody can join, anybody can come, anybody can, is welcome. Or they might be closed. They might be closed to certain age groups or certain, you know, specific subjects. And you might only decide that, you know, I can only handle a group of 10 people. If it gets to be 15 people or 20 people, one, we don't have enough time, and two, I can't keep up with everybody who's there. When I do my groups at Job Corps, I keep them smaller. I keep them like four or five people because when it gets any bigger, I can't keep track of people and I can't hear people. So, you know, you can you can have an open group or you can have a closed group. That depends on your level of comfort and expertise and maybe what the group is as well um again try to stay specific um with specific or similar topics for example if you're having a group for chronic pain people who have chronic pain you don't want a bunch of other members who they don't have chronic pain because they're not going to be able to relate to people who have chronic pain um if you have a group for sight loss you might want to keep it to sight loss after whatever age. Uh, the the experience of sight loss is very different for a person who is 30, 40, 50 years old than it is for a person who is six. 
So, you know, you might want to keep to a certain um, population with that. And if you feel more comfortable or you feel like you have more experience working with a certain age population, you can limit your group to people with in certain ages. Some people feel more comfortable working with kids and they love to work with kids or they want to work with adults or they want to work with, you know, seniors, um, things like that. So you can set your, your group age parameters as well. Um, remember that all your group members, when they come to your group, they're equal. And you may have friends in the group and that's cool. You can you can have your friends, but you know try to avoid preferential or special treatment because what that's going to do is alienate other people. Even comments of you know oh this is my favorite person or she's my best friend or whatever your friend knows that and you don't have to bring that into the group because that can really alienate other people. They might feel like. Oh, they don't really have a place or they don't belong to that group. So what you want to do is treat everybody the same, treat everybody equally. And, you know, and also try to help people limit their time that they're talking. And you can even say, you know what, we have a really big group today, so I can give everybody three minutes or five minutes or whatever, whatever it's going to be. And then just kind of encourage them that, you know, their time is up and um, you certainly want to continue to provide support to them because that keeps people, you know, from going on and on. Sometimes when people are really distressed, they just talk and talk and talk and talk and uh, it can it can fill up a group pretty quickly. But what that's going to do is make other people kind of lose interest. So usually it's good to you know, try to limit that. So, does anybody have any questions or comments or you want to talk about your experience with a support group or maybe you're interested in starting one? Okay, so if you have questions, raise your hand, please. And I'll go over that real quick for everyone. If you don't know, I think everybody has calls, probably been on calls before, but um, it's Alt-Y on your PC. Give me for the Mac. I think it's Option-Y. Maybe it's Mac. It's Command Shift Y on your P on your Mac, on the telephone. It's star nine, and on your um, smartphone, down in the right hand corner, in the lower right hand corner, there's a, a more button, and you're going to find that raise hand symbol underneath the more. And first, we have Mary Carla. You can unmute yourself. Hello, this is Carla Hayes from McMurray, and I have a suggestion. Um, another source for finding a support group might often be your local hospital. I know when my brother died at the age of 45, um, I was able to find a bereavement support group through my local hospital. So that's another resource of places where you can look for a group. So that's what I wanted to suggest. Excellent suggestion. Thank you. Okay. Karen? Uh, yes. Um, thank you, Jesse, as always, for your great presentations. Um, I think you kind of explained a difference between support groups and um, individual counseling. Say if a person thinks that they want counseling of some type, 
how should they discern whether it should be a group or a private counseling session? Well, if you're really, really having a lot of problems um, coping with something or, you know, you continuously feel depressed or anxious, then you might want counseling. But what a lot of people do is they participate in their own individual therapy and they talk about, you know, some issues. Um, But then they also participate in support groups which gives them additional support. But, um, yeah, it can be it can be kind of difficult to make that determination of what you need. But um, if you if you get involved in one, like say I, say you join a support group and um, you find that you're starting to feel worse, you're finding that you know what every time they talk about my vision loss or the death of my spouse, I just feel worse and worse and worse. Then you might want to get into individual therapy or a specific therapy group. The other thing that can happen is if you're in counseling, a lot of times um, some of my clients, they'll, they'll come to counseling and we talk about their issue and we get to where they're doing pretty good. But I said, well, you might find that it's more helpful to get into a support group as well, um, especially for things that aren't going to go away, like chronic pain. Now, not likely to go away, and so you might feel like you just need additional help or support. Okay, Fran, you are new made and able to talk. Hi, uh, Jesse. Good to hear you. Um, I just had a question about I. Did a support a depression support group on one of the phone systems for a while, and we had one person in the group who I, I finally found out everybody was feeling that this person was overly judgmental, and I tried to talk to her, and um, I finally had to get her out of the group because um, everybody was feeling that she was judgmental, but in. In a, in a phone group like that, I could do that. If you're in a regular situation, um, how do you deal with someone who just, uh, you know, is making everybody else feel bad? Well, what you might do is some gentle confrontation. Um, I feel like when you say those things that you're judging me or you're judging others, or you might encourage some of your members who are a little bit more vocal, a little bit more confident to gently confront her as well. Again, you know, stick with the assertive statements. I feel like you're being judgmental. Or it's really upsetting when um, I hear those statements from you. So that might help. Or you might have to just meet with the person individually and say, you know, I'm not sure that this is a group for you um, because many members are misinterpreting what you're saying. Give her an opportunity to change her behavior or change her presentation because she may not be aware of it. But on the other hand, you're right. Sometimes you do have to, you know, ask members who are being disruptive or or whatever not to attend. Yeah, I had to ask this person to leave. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. 
Okay, right now you don't have any more hands raised. And just to let you know, um, we have about um, about 24 minutes left. Well, can you all come up with some other questions or experiences that maybe you've had in, in groups? Okay. I don't see anybody yet. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, we do have some. I'm sorry. There you go. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Fran, did you want to talk again? Because your hand is up and I thought I lowered it. Okay, we have area code 614. Can you unmute yourself, please? 9155. Am I it? Yes, we're there you go. Okay, can you hear me? (sighs) Okay, um, I would love to facilitate a support group in my area. Um, I also have dealt with many support groups in the past. Oh, maybe I should identify myself. This is Melody Holloway, Columbus, Ohio. Um, I have four or five diagnosed psychiatric disorders. My illness reared its ugly head about 15, over 15 years ago in 2005, but I was dealing with it for years before in silence. Uh, I had a past trauma 30 some years ago. I'm sorry. I thought I would be able to do this without breaking down. Um, and I'm also battling some annoying medical conditions. I was born without sight. Um, the lack of physical contact now because of COVID-19 is worse than any of the physical or psychiatric illnesses that I am experiencing or have experienced. The isolation and loneliness of not being held, not no one wanting to hold me, no one wanting to do anything face-to-face with me. Um, luckily, I have someone who is willing to do that for me. Um, but a lot of people who were in my life previously, um, the virus is driving us apart. And my family has also pretty much abandoned me because they can't deal with my illness and they can't deal with my um, sexuality. Um, some advice that I was given in the past, I've had 27 psychiatric hospitalizations and several suicide attempts. I hope that's okay to say. Um I was given the advice never to start out a sentence if you're facilitating a group or if you're in a group with you need to, because that is accusatory and it makes the person that it's directed at feel uncomfortable and they feel judged. Um, I would love to be a peer counselor. I don't know how to go about it. Um, the National Alliance on Mental Illness is not doing their peer-to-peer program right now. Um So I would love some help being able to do that. Um, I don't know that it's appropriate to give my contact info right now. I have a ton of resources, local and national numbers, websites, um, if anybody needs it. And I would love to speak to anyone 24-7, day and night, whatever time zone your area uses. I don't mind, you know, I'm Eastern Standard Time. So if somebody needs to talk it to in the morning, I'm always willing. (sighs) Well, it sounds like you have a lot of experience in in various groups, and um, obviously a lot of resources. I think that you could be a lot of help to a lot of people. I'm not sure that right now is a real good time to start an in-person support group <laughs> because of all the social distancing and all of that, unfortunately. However, you might want to think about starting something on Zoom where you know, something like that, that other people could attend as well, because it sounds like you have a lot of information. 
to share? I'm not as tech savvy as a lot of other people. There's some people think I am more than I think I am. And I get very frustrated with myself when it comes to technology. Um, I, a lot of people are using things like Doxy, GoToMeeting, um, BlueJeans, Google Meets. I'm not familiar with any of those. And I'm having issues signing into Zoom. So I don't know. I don't know what to do. Um, I'm not real tech savvy either. <laughs> and um, what you might want to do is connect with um, a Cindy or somebody else, you know, who is, and just, just let them know what you want to do, and they'll give you some suggestions. Um, like when I mentioned that I would be interested in doing these calls, I told Cindy that I would love to do that, but I didn't have the first idea how to use Zoom or be a host. And you know, she was like, "Okay, no problem. Um, we can we can support you with that." So reach out to people in the know and just explain to them what you have. And what you would like to do, and you'll probably get some help. Okay. Um, I did email advocacy and community, and I left my contact info there. Um, if someone were to need to talk in a crisis, I, you know, if they need to be graphic, I can deal with that. Um, sometimes I am in a flashback and unable to speak, um, but, you know, I can. I live to help others and people say you need to take care of yourself before you can take care of other people, which is definitely true. But what a lot of people don't understand is that when you do for someone else, another person, another animal, the environment, it helps you in turn. It helps your mental health. It releases the dopamine and endorphins in your body. So I have become an unexpected caregiver and it's taxing, but at the same time, the exhaustion is worth it. And I would do it all over again if I could. Well, yeah, and that's one of the important things for facilitators to do is, you know, know your limits and and seek out your own support. And you don't want your support group that you are either attending or facilitating to become a great source of stress. Because it's not supposed to be that way. It's supposed to be supportive and helpful and, you know, uplifting and and a place of information. So you really have to know yourself, set your own boundaries, and determine what you can do and what what you can't do. And support groups don't have to be all serious, you know. A lot of people, they, they would like something that's not quite so, you know, depressing. Or anxiety provoking because they already feel enough of that. So it doesn't have to be all about that. It can be, you know, more of a supportive, friendly environment. Okay. Um, 510 area code, you are unmuted. Go ahead and talk. Good morning, Jesse and everyone. Uh, this is Ray calling for Newark, California. Uh, support groups have really been beneficial for me and my brother, especially when our mom was going through her cancer. And the hospital had a um, cancer and caregiver support group. And after that dissolved, um, there were about 10 or 12 of us. We would meet um, once a month if we wanted to, but we'd always get phone calls about where to meet at a restaurant. And it was just catching up and seeing how everyone's doing, but it was not negative. It was so positive because mm-hmm. the groups could be draining and positive, but these lunches were so great that we did it afterwards. 
And then also, after our mom passed away, uh, my brother and I went to the same hospital for a grief and loss group, and that was very beneficial. So the hospital and with the doctors and nurses that we knew, we were like always in and out of the hospital. So uh, it was very comfortable for us, and it was really a positive experience for us. But the most gratification I've received from support groups is when I was losing my um, eyesight. And I still go when I need to and when I can. So um, that's the nice thing about support groups when you want to go and if you don't want to go and it's up to you. So um, so support groups are really a positive um, part of my life. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, many people in support groups continue to stay in contact because they have forged a bond with each other. And so they continue to stay in contact. Um, maybe not all the time, but like you said, once a month or whatever. You're right. You can go when you want to. You don't have to go if you don't want to. And uh, it's, it's just another way of gaining support. Okay. Area code 828, you are unmuted. Go ahead and talk. Yeah, hi. This is Judy, and I have a couple comments. Um, for people who are not very tech-savvy, um, I know, I think it's pretty much nationwide now that if you dial 211, it's an information referral source. <laughs> so if you want to know what's in your community as far as different support groups, that's an avenue that may be a little less stressful than trying to, you know, find the right group on the internet. And then I also, thanks Jesse. Um, And I also wanted to mention that, you know, I've been involved with different low vision support groups as I move from place to place. And if the group isn't meeting your needs, don't hesitate to try to guide it to something because I know a low vision support group I was involved with in one state, um, unfortunately, the, the facilitator had lost her vision, I think it was like 10 or 15 years ago previously, and it was totally unexpected. It was during an operation, and she became totally blind. Well, you know, this was, you know, 10 or 15 years later, and she was still having her husband make a sandwich and pour her milk before he left for work every day. Um, So the support group wasn't the best led group. So, you know, a group of us kind of got together and tried to, you know, shift it to a more beneficial support group rather than where it was at that point. And I do facilitate a support group where I live now, a low vision support group. And I was just reminded during this call, it's like, you know, I think it's time to do a survey just so the facilitators can know if we're doing what the group wants to do. And sometimes that's easier than just saying it during a meeting because some people don't want to tell you what you're doing wrong. (laughs) So Jesse has reminded me that it's it's time to do that, especially since we switched to Zoom platform for our local group because, you know, we may be not meeting their needs now that we're not having a physical meeting. And I need to know, you know, what we need to do different. Exactly. And, you know, as time changes, your group members change, um, things are going to change about your group. And that can feel kind of overwhelming or sad or whatever. But, you know, we have to realize that, things change and it may just be that they need something a little different mm-hmm. yes and, and that's Thanks, okay Jesse. yeah thank you Allie you're unmuted and free to talk okay um I wanted to respond to Melody I would love to talk to you about trauma and things like that because I feel like I can relate to some things that you said so I would love to reach out to you if you don't mind well um, okay <laughs> 
Allie, did we lose it? Was she done? Yes, I'm sorry. That was all I wanted to. Okay. <laughs> I was expecting a little more. <laughs> no, you're you're okay. You're okay. Okay, area code 614. Um, Don't worry. Please, please unmute yourself. Okay, this is yeah. Melody again. Um, how would you like to exchange contact info? I'm definitely up for it. I have it, hon. I, I copied it down because you can see the phone numbers. Okay. Okay, I didn't think of that. <laughs> I also have a mobile. I'm not always home. Um, You're good. I'll and just I have an message. email, so. It's okay. Okay, um, not on this one. This is my home, and I can't check messages through this one. I can on my cell, though. Um, my home voicemail is not doing what I need it to do, so. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Don't worry. Okay. Well, there you go. And that's what can happen in support groups as well. Okay. Whoops. Jaws keeps babbling. Sorry. Okay. I have a 510 area code again. If you'll unmute yourself, please. Uh, good morning again. This is Ray from California. Um, I've been on other social calls. And um, uh, what's best is when someone needs to get in touch, um, Cindy recommends that, you know, you e- email her. And then she can get in contact with people that want to get in contact with people. Yeah, that's always a good way to do that. And she will forward the email. Yes, I just want to let everyone know that. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Fran, you didn't unmute you. Go ahead and unmute yourself. There you are. I think I'm unmuted. There you are, hon. Go ahead. Okay, this is Fran again. And I just wanted to say to, uh, was it Melody? I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. I thought it, that, you know, it, that a lot of people, it, I'm feeling the same way right now as far as, you know, with the, with the social distancing and the feeling isolated. And so I just wanted to come in and say, hey, you're not alone in that. And that's all I wanted to say. Well, thank you. And you're so right. A lot of people are struggling. And, you know, the longer this goes on, and the harder the struggle is. Um, and you know, my my only suggestion for that is 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 to reach out to these ACB community groups um and, and stay busy. <laughs> you know, read whatever whatever it is you can. And I know that that doesn't make up for the physical hugs and you know closeness that we feel when we're in groups together and and we're with friends or people but it's better than sitting by yourself feeling bad thinking of how lonely and isolated you are and it's really hard to do that when you're in in a group especially some of these more fun groups where you know you you laugh and you find yourself connecting with other people so you know do do all you can this is going to pass eventually, I hope, but it could be a while. I have about, an opinion on the subject. Or you quiet. I apologize for all of Dorian's noise. They're okay. doing reconstruction here. <laughs> Are you ready to go on? The next caller is called Jitterbug. I love this. Jitterbug smart, and you should be able to talk. I've unmuted you. Um, hi, I'm April from Maryland, and I may be repeating what you said, but I was just wondering if an ACB state officiate would be a good resource to find a support group for adapting to vision loss. 
Um, I didn't catch your question. Oh, I was just. Oh, great. Um, I was just wondering if an NCB state officially would be a good resource to find a support group. Yeah, you could certainly you could certainly try that. Mm-hmm. Okay, thanks. You know, sometimes to find support groups, you just have to keep calling around and keep asking, and don't give up on the place like right away because just because they don't have anything right then, they might a month later, two months later, whatever. Man. So, um, yeah. Just just keep calling around and asking and checking. <clears throat> okay, Mary Carla Hayes. And you'll have to unmute yourself. It won't let me. There you go, okay. got it. Um, quick question. First of all, I do want to thank you for this. I forgot to do that last time. But what do you do if you're in a, a support group or another group? Um, something happens, like let's say you're a single and, um, you know, they're married in the group and start making you feel sort of left out because you know it's all about you know they, they start talking about you know their marriage and all this or they there's something or someone in the group and they don't mean to do it but it opens a wound or something and you start feeling worse so what what do you suggest under those circumstances because I find that self that happening to myself a lot sometimes because I do feel sort of isolated. Well, then you may have to decide whether the group is for you or, you know, it may be that it's not the right group for you. Um, or you may have to take a break from it for a little bit until that particular conversation or topic goes away. Does that make sense? And not every, yeah, not every support group is for everybody. Um, when I, hold on. When I um, first started having migraine headaches, um, I went to a chronic pain group, but all of those people there were th- talking about back pain and arthritis and different things. And so I just kind of moved away from the group. So, yeah, it's important to find a group that is right for you and where you connect. Okay, Jesse, you have four minutes left, and I... I don't see any raised hands right now. Do you want to wrap up? Go ahead and give us some closing comments. Um, So, yeah, I mean, it's really important for you to find a group that you connect with. Um, If you don't find the group in your area or whatever, you know, think about maybe starting a group somehow, somewhere. And um, But just remember, support groups are for you, and they are to provide support. And encouragement. And if it's not doing that, then you might want to give that group a break. So thank you all for for coming. And it's been good discussion. Thank you all for um, working with Brandon and I. And Brandon, I hope this was a valuable experience for you. Um, And I guess we'll go ahead and close the meeting then if it's okay with you, Jesse. Okay. And thank you all for hosting and all of that. All right. Thank you very much, guys. Everybody have a good day, everyone.